All right. We are continuing our series from dream to destiny. I'm so excited to bring this word to you. This is a series that Robert Morris preached uh, years ago, Pastor Kurt. Um, it really impacted him. And we are not a church that typically teaches other people's messages, but this is a series that was really impactful to Pastor Kurt. And knowing that he was gonna be gone for six weeks, he wanted to be able to give some kind of a structure for those of us who would be filling in. Um, and so we're continuing on in this series. We're gonna start by just doing a bit of a review. I know we've done this every week, but I think it's really important. Uh, we were talking beforehand, and I think Russell pointed out um, how important it is, you know, you might be going through one of these tests and not even realize that it's a test. So you don't know what you don't know, right? And so just review this really quick in case you're going through this. We started off with the pride test. Pastor Kurt shared the pride test and the pit test. He started off with the pride test where he talked about how God has given us all dreams and God has given us all a destiny. We were all created with a destiny. So don't let pride get in the way. How do you do that? Well, first and foremost, you don't brag about the dream, right? We're studying the life of Joseph. And what did he do? He got a dream and he went and shared it with his brothers and he went and shared it with his parents. He bragged about it. And that put him into the next test, which was the pit test. The pit test is the consequences of our own bad decisions. And we learned that if we, if we change our, our view on the position, the perspective, and the purpose of the pit we're in, we can change our mindset and we can change our behavior, all right? Next, Pastor Harmony spoke on the prophetic test, that your circumstances don't determine your destiny, you need to submit to the word the Lord has given you. When words are given to you, you need to test them against scripture and then hold on to the words that he's spoken over you so that you can continue to walk into your destiny. Then my wife, Leslie, shared on the palace test. Uh, the key to prospering in the palace is the presence of the Lord. You encounter his presence through obedience. You're obedient by faith and you gain faith by hearing God's word. Pastor Greg shared the purity test after that a message that was really powerful, uh, I think for men and women, that we need to have a plan to stay pure. We need to guard our eyes, we need to be constructive, and we need to thank our, take our thoughts captive, right? Because impurity doesn't just affect us. It affects our families and it affects others. And then last week we heard from Pastor Matt on the prison test. And he shared how many people don't pass this test. They might not realize they're in a prison, but they get stuck there and it, and it can hinder you from moving into your destiny. And what a powerful message. It was pretty simple, but also very deep. The key to getting out of this test is forgiveness, right? And he gave us some steps on how to do that. So today, uh, you know, Pastor Greg shared a couple weeks ago a, a diagram of kind of the, the story of Joseph and it was kind of circling through. And Pastor Matt pointed out last week how the prison test is like right at that turn before you move into your destiny. And so today, we're moving into our destiny. We're going to talk about the power test. Uh, and this begins that we're going to be reading in Genesis 41. Um, we're going to skip around a bit because it's a pretty long section. So we're going to, I'm going to paraphrase some parts, and we're going to read some scripture in other parts. This begins right after Pharaoh had two dreams that were really upsetting to him. And he's trying to find some people, someone to give him uh, an interpretation to these dreams, and so none of his people can do it, and uh, that's where we start off. So let's start reading together. Genesis 41, verse 8. It said, In the morning his mind was troubled. This is Pharaoh. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. If you remember last week, Matt talked about betrayal. When, when Joseph was like, hey, I interpreted your dreams in prison. When you're put before Pharaoh, just remember me. And of course, they didn't. And so this is uh, the cupbearer's way of saying, oh, by the way, I forgot there's this guy that I've left in prison and not mentioned for two years. So let's jump down to verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. He was quickly brought from the dungeon. 
When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Promotion can come quickly. He was quickly brought before Pharaoh. Verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. This is a very important verse. We're going to come back to this later. Verse 16, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answers he desires. Pharaoh goes on to share his dreams, and it's basically this. His first dream, there were seven fat, healthy cows walking around, and seven famished, ugly cows came up out of the land, ate the the healthy cows, and you couldn't even tell. They didn't gain any weight. They were still just as famished. He went back to bed. He woke up. He had another dream. Seven full grains of wheat. They were swallowed up by seven withering grains of wheat. This was really troubling to him. Verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to you what he is about to do. And he shares this interpretation. He said, what's going to happen in this land is there's going to be seven years of bounty and and a plentiful harvest. Your crops are going to be doing well. Your uh, livestock's going to be doing well. But after that, there's going to be seven years of famine like you haven't seen before. Verse 33, and he says, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. And then he shares some details. You know, this this man should take the the excess during the first seven years and they should store part of portion of it. And then after that, you'll have food for the next seven years. Verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all to his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be put in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him, make way. Some uh, translations say they actually said, like, bow down before him. Uh, Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. All right, so Joseph goes to bed in prison like he had for the many years before that. He wakes up the next day, and he's walking in his destiny. He's the second most powerful person in the land of Egypt. Promotion can come quickly. Now, I want to take a minute. One thing I love about this church is that we, we strive to live at the intersection of the Word and the Holy Spirit, right? As I was reading through this, I was reminded of a word that, that Leslie gave a couple weeks ago, that we are in a season of suddenlies. God's about to answer some of your prayers that you might have been praying for generations. Like, literally, you might have had prayers that your parents prayed, you've been praying. Uh, I think we've seen this recently with Roe versus Wade. We had many people praying for this for many years. Um, There might be prayers that you've been praying over your family, over situations, and God, the answer is going to come suddenly. I was reminded of that. And then I had something else happen. After I kind of prepared this message, this this one verse kept sticking out to me, Um, and it was verse 42. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And I I just kept hearing that verse over. I was like, God, why are you sharing that verse with me? It doesn't really fit into, like, what I'm teaching today. And so I'm, I'm taking a brief moment, I'm stepping away from the message, and I feel like there's a prophetic word God has for you right now. And if you look back at the life of Joseph, if you ask anybody about Joseph, especially kids, what's the first thing they're going to say? His coat of many colors, right? He had a coat that was very precious to him that his father gave him, and his brothers took that and they ripped it up and they dipped it in blood and they gave it to his father as proof that, uh, that he was dead. I feel like God was saying that some of you may have had something very precious to you that was taken. And you've been called 
You've been given a dream, you've been called into your destiny, and you're excited to see where God's taken you, but your heart still mourns for that thing that was precious to you. And I feel like God's saying that he's about to upgrade you. Look at this. Joseph gets not only a robe, he's dressed in robes of fine linen and put a golden chain around his neck, and he's given the signet ring of Pharaoh. God's about to take your robe, and he's about to give you a robe and a ring. As you're moving forward into your destiny, God's going to replenish those things that were taken, and it's actually going to be an upgrade. All right? We can see this in Job. It says that the latter, the latter half of Job's life was more plentiful and more bountiful than the, the, the first half. All right? That's for you guys. That's apart from the message. God just wouldn't let me move on without sharing that. But we're talking about how promotion can come quickly. Uh, when, when I was in junior high, I really felt like I had a calling on my, my life for full-time ministry. I wanted to be a youth pastor. And then later on in my life, I taught high schoolers. And I was like, you know what? That age group's not for me. Love you guys. I just don't know if I could do that full-time. Uh, and then I felt like, hey, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a medical missionary. And then in high school, I took an anatomy class. And I was like, yeah, it's not for me either. <laughs> but I felt this calling of full-time ministry on my life. And I didn't know what to do with that. But when my, when my wife and I met, uh, she had a two-year-old son, our oldest, Austin. Um, and we, we both loved the Lord, but we made some mistakes. And I found myself in the pit test. <laughs> Consequences of my own bad decisions. And Leslie was pregnant, out of wedlock. We decided to get married. Uh, she ended up miscarrying before we got married, but we still thought it was the right thing to do. But we entered into this marriage with, I'm married and I already have a two-year-old. And so I'm like, okay, I guess my call to ministry, I just, I just ruined that. And so I took a job as a document finishing repair tech. You know, if you, many people think ministry and then like repair technicians, like right underneath that, right? <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that was a bit of a prison season for me because uh, it wasn't something I needed to forgive necessarily, but it was just a very dry season for me. Um, if I was doing my job well, I wouldn't be seeing my clients more than like once or twice a year. Um, I didn't really have any coworkers. My territory was the 6th Avenue in Denver, so pretty much like the middle of, the, of Denver, um, north to and including Wyoming for many years. Um, and so I would drive, spend a lot of time on the road. I would show up at a customer. I couldn't just go in there and preach Jesus because I was representing this company. I'd fix their machine. If I did it right, I wouldn't be back. I didn't have coworkers to make an impact on. And I remember driving down I-25 one day, and as many of you know, if you're ever on I-25, you're taking your life in your own hands. And I remember thinking at one point, man, if I were to get in an accident and die, nobody would come to my funeral. Like, I'm not making an impact on anybody. Like, God, why do you have me here? What's the purpose in this? And of course, as it is many times in life, I can look back on that season and see how many things he taught me, the practicality of managing my time and troubleshooting and different things that I use in different aspects of what I do uh, in ministry now. So God definitely used it. But in, that, in those moments, I was just, I was really struggling. I thought I'd really mess things up. But one of the things that that job allowed me to do, I worked from my home so I could kind of set my own schedule and I could work times in where I could go serve at the church. And I would, whatever they needed. I, I like technology, I love it, and I hate it at the same time. Um, just so you know, I do recognize that the voice on the, the announcements and the, the audio and the video is not on. I've been trying to troubleshoot that. I will have it fixed at some point. I love it and I hate it. But I would volunteer in the media department and I would do whatever I could. They needed someone to run lyrics for Tuesday morning women's Bible study. I was there. I've seen more Beth Moore Bible studies than probably any other man on the planet. <laughs> and they're awesome. They're awesome. 
but I would serve however I could. And through that time, I, I became friends with the media director. This is at Res Church. And uh, this is around the time that, that Pastor Jonathan came on as the worship pastor over there. And I remember um, Leslie and his wife Amy had become friends because Leslie would check kids in at Awana. And so they got to know each other. And we invited them over to dinner one night. And it was the first time that I had really met Jonathan. We're sitting there, we're talking all night. And I'm kind of sharing my heart, the, the dreams I felt like God had given me when I was young, what I had done to, in my mind, mess those dreams up and that destiny. But I, I talked about how I served, and I talked about how the media director at different times over the last couple of years, he would call me and say, hey, man, I'm working to get you a job. I really want to get you hired here. We need an editor, and I need somebody to help me with that, so I'm trying to get you hired as an editor. We need somebody to help in the production uh, area, so I'm trying to get you hired there. And he kept saying these things, and nothing would happen. And that's not why I was serving, but it, you know, to somebody who had a, felt like he had a call on his life for that, uh, it, was, it was like dangling a carrot in front of me at times, you know. And so I would constantly just give that back over to God. God, if this is your plan and your calling, then let it be so. And if not, then take the desire from me. I want to serve. I want to do whatever you want, but just take this desire from me if it's not your, your call for me to be in full-time ministry. And I was sharing this with Jonathan, and, and uh, after a while he said, man, I, I got to tell you something that might be hard for you to hear. I was like, okay. He said, well, I'm, I'm on the pastoral staff, and I've never heard this brought up. <laughs> Like, I've never heard that, hey, we're trying to give this position in media and this or that or whatever. He's like, I've never heard this brought up. Okay, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You know, it's, I'm, that's not why I'm serving. I'm really good. And I really was good. I, I, it, it wasn't that difficult for me to hear because I had constantly been giving it over to God. That was a Thursday night. The last thing he said to me before they left, he said, I want to encourage you with something, Adam. When you're waiting for God to move, it's like watching cement dry. Right? Yeah. MJ knows about this. That's a long process. <laughs> it's a slow process. It doesn't look like anything's happening. He said, when you're waiting for God to move, it's like watching cement dry. But once he starts, it's a hurricane. Thursday night, about 9.30 p.m. The next day, I'm, I can remember exactly where I'm at. I'm walking through Walmart, and uh, I get a call from the media director, and he no longer had his job at res. He had made some decisions, and he decided he was going to be leaving. And by the, the beginning of the following week, I was hired on as the media director, and that was kind of the, the, my step into ministry. Ministry, your calling can come quickly. Your destiny, your promotion can come quickly. Now, the pride test is how we respond to the dream. The power test is how we respond to the destiny. And to be honest, it's kind of the pride test part two, okay? But it's interesting to me, I think Joseph succeeded in this test. If we read this section of scripture, it's not like we see, we actually see Joseph being tested right now as he moves into his destiny. He actually seems to succeed at it really well, right? He does exactly what God had given him for planning, He's in, and he made a difference in this nation, it doesn't look like we're seeing him actually be tested, but I think that's because we can look back and see that he passed the pride test the first time around. Remember I said verse 16 is important. Verse 16, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. He says it again in verse 28. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. This was not about Joseph. He didn't take the credit here. He passed that pride test. He said, let me tell you where you're getting your answers from. You're getting your answers from God. The key to successfully navigating the power test is found in three things. And the first one is recognizing that all power comes from God. Psalm 62:11. I love the New Living Translation version of this. It says, God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. 
And then Jesus laid this out pretty clearly in John 19, 10 through 11. Um, I can't imagine really what was going through Jesus' head when this was happening to him. So, so Pilate, Pontius Pilate, says to him, you do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. <laughs> Could you imagine being the son of God and hearing somebody say that to you? Like, oh man, you don't even know. Listen, you don't have to have false humility when you're in this power test, all right? This isn't about saying like, oh, it's all God, it's all God. Oh, thanks, anytime somebody gives you credit, thank you, but it's, it's all God. I, I promise you if it was all God, it would be better than what you had just done, all right? <laughs> but you're passing the power test when you realize that you might put in work and time and effort, but you're partnering with God's call into the position of power that you're in, you're responding to it, and then you're admitting that the power is God's. Okay, so the first key to overcoming the power test is recognizing that all power comes from God. The second key is to to realize who God gives power to. God gives power to the humble. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 5-6, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Look again how Joseph responded this time around. God will give you the answer. He wasn't, he wasn't saying, you know, this is me. This is my interpretation of, of all the things I've learned. I know, how, I know how to do this. He was saying, God will give you the answer. And I believe that he also learned from the prison test that Matt shared about last week. Remember, Matt said, you're not going to get out of the prison test by self-promotion. Look at verse 33, this time around, Joseph could have said, hey, guess what I can do for you? But he didn't. He said, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. He wasn't promoting himself at all. But then Pharaoh's response was, do we have anybody like this who has like this insight from God? Like Pharaoh was giving credit to God because of the way Joseph had handled the situation. Now I want to make a sub point here. Because it can seem like as we're talking about humility, that's like, okay, well, then the the correct way to handle the power test is to just not desire power at all, right? I just need to be like, no, if God wants to lift me up, that's fine, but I just, you know, I want to wash toilets for the rest of my life. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to do, I just want to serve in whatever capacity that, that's going to be. That's, that's my, my dream. I don't desire any power because po- desiring power is evil. That's not the truth, <laughs> Desiring power is not evil. It's not arrogant. Guys, we were made in the image of an all-powerful God. So why would we not desire power? Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone desires to be great in the kingdom of heaven, well, you're not going to make it because that's an evil desire. No, that's not how that verse ends. He says, if you want to be great, if you desire to be great in the kingdom of heaven, then serve. But he doesn't say that desiring to be great is evil. 1 Timothy 3.1 says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he has desired a good work. I was recently listening to a podcast about a, a very large church in, in kind of uh, on the West Coast that um, it, it fell apart. It was a very effective ministry. 
Uh, it, I'm not naming the podcast on purpose, <laughs> um, but it was a very good podcast. Uh, but it's about this, this church that the, this ministry was having um, a major impact uh, throughout the nation. Um, but basically, basically because of the ego of the, the, the leadership of that church, it fell apart. And it's a sad thing. But what's crazy to me is, that, and so we're listening to this podcast after this has happened, they're going back and saying, hey, look at these decisions that were made that led to this falling of this ministry. And, and there were so many episodes that I would listen to that and then I would have, I'd literally pause it and I would just start praying, God, don't let this be me. God, don't let this be City Lights. Because there were times where I, could, I would listen, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that decision that the leadership made, that was a wise decision. I would have done that. That sounds like the way I would have handled it. But when you partnered these decisions with the pride of the leadership, it just kept continually kept feeding that pride and, and got out of control. You've all seen prideful leaders and it's not a pretty thing. Listen, the enemy does not stop attacking you once you've walked into your destiny. It's not like he says, man, I fought and fought and fought, but he crossed that finish line. He's on the greener grass, he's on the other side of the fence, now I'm just gonna leave him alone and let him walk into his destiny. No, the enemy says, okay, he's walking in his destiny. If I can attach pride to that, they aren't going to be as effective as they could be without that pride, if they stay in humility. That's why I said this is the pride test part two. You have to stay humble. God's given you the power, but it's God's power, it's not your power. (laughs) Stay humble. The third key, there's only three, so this is not gonna be a two-hour message. The third key to overcoming this test is to recognize who God gives power or why God gives power. God gives power to help others. All right, you may already know this from what I've been sharing, but God didn't put you in the position you're in for you. Sorry to burst your bubble. God has you there not for you, but for others. Think about this. God did not raise Joseph into the position he was in as second in command as a recompense for what Joseph had gone through. He wasn't like, man, Joseph, I'm really sorry. You've had a hard life, and now I want to reward you by putting you second in command. He put Joseph in that position of power to help others. He gave him a dream from the get-go of what that was going to be. Joseph was put in that position to, to not for himself, but to save two nations, the nation of Egypt and the nation of Israel. Look at Queen Esther. God didn't put Queen Esther in the position of queenship to say, you're just my favorite. I want you pampered. You know what? You went a one-year all-expense-paid trip to a spa where you're going to just be dressed in makeup and perfume, and it's just going to be beautiful because I love you so much. No, Esther 4.14 says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? God put Esther in that place to save the Jewish people. When God gives you power, it's not for you, it's to help others. You can think of it this way. We have all powerful God whose image we were created in, and we have zero powerful people, humanity. And in the middle, God's saying, I want my children to be a conduit of my power for me to them. I was sharing this with Russell, and he said he's heard it this way. He said, we are given power to be a power strip for others, but the, the problem lies when the powers trip us up. So instead of being a power trip, we let the powers trip us. 
It's very simple. Let's recap this. To pass this test, we need to recognize that all powers come from God. We need to realize that God gives power to the humble. And we need to to realize that God gives us power to help others. This test is, is very, very simple. The test is simply rejecting the pride that the enemy wants us to feed that begins to believe that any of the power is by our own making. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Simple enough, huh? It's an easy one to pass. Don't let pride come around again because the enemy's not gonna stop attacking you with it. Recognize that the power is God's and stay humble and help others. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for everything that you've done for us today. Specifically today, God, I thank you just for the sweetness of your presence during worship. Lord, we we don't come here (laughs) for any other reason than to encounter you. And we want to recognize that, that you showed up today and you encountered us. And so, Lord, I just pray... There may be some of us that, that heard something or felt something in our, in our soul and in our spirit, God, during worship that you were just speaking to us about. Maybe some of us heard something through this message of uh, something that, oh, okay, I need, to, I need to refocus and realize that my position of power is coming from God. I need to stay humble. I need to help others. Lord, I believe that we cannot have an encounter with you without something changing in us. And so, Lord, as as we've encountered you today, God, I just pray that you would solidify whatever it is that you've changed in us. As Harmony was saying about that word she heard Tuesday night, God, I just pray that some of these things you might just keep bringing to our mind, bringing to our heart. Just let it stew within us this week. Let us meditate upon the words that you've given us, that you've spoken to us. And continue to change us. And we thank you, God. We thank you that we thank you that you test us. We thank you, Lord, that as, as we're seeing through this series, God, that there are tests that, that we can walk through and we can overcome to walk into the destinies that you've called us for. And we just pray that you give us uh, the wisdom. We pray that you help direct us back to you for the answers on all these tests. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.